Good morning, party people, and welcome to Disrupt You. My name is Lachey Mathis, and I am joined by the wonderful and the one and only... Dr. York here. <laughs> awesome. Um, on Disrupt You, we talk about disrupting higher education, how Gen Z is disrupting the world, and how millennials are disrupting the workforce. So before we dive in today, I wanted to tell you, um, Dr. York, about a fun idea that I had, but first I have to challenge you. Ooh. Um, if you were in charge right now of suggesting a summer Olympic sport, what would you suggest? It can be literally anything like underwater boxing. Oh, I love it. I love this. I already have my answer. I already okay. have my answer. What is it? Esports. Okay. Esports. esports. Okay. That's like not Easy. something you made up, but fine. <laughs> okay. Esports all day. Underrated. I know someone listening to this is sleeping on it. Okay. E-sport. Well, I'll tell you what I made up for my class. I made up, um, rescue puppy races and so <laughs> um dogs that lived at shelters they have a training window like you know some dogs like don't get adopted for a long time so the long timers get to train for the summer olympics and there's different races and everybody in my class thought it was a really great idea one person did bring up a great point and i was like okay i have to think on that but everybody else was like yes shelter puppies they get to do land sports they get to do water sports they get to jump through hoops but like in a nice healthy way and like really nobody's a winner like nobody gets a goal except for everybody because we're all happier <laughs> i feel like this story just made my monday better hey i you know i thought i was like i'm gonna tell dustin about this because i put it on my discussion board for class and you know you have to like respond to your other classmates the rule is like, don't respond to one or two, like one that already has two responses. Mine has six responses from my classmates. Cause they're like, I know what the rules are, but I just want to say like, I love this idea. And I was like, okay, I'm going to share with everyone. <laughs> um, although our, st- like our podcast has nothing to do with puppies and anything like that. I just wanted to know, share being adaptable to the world. So let's kick off today. We're going to be diving into two major topics instead of three today. So let's go ahead and kick off with what classrooms are going to be looking like in the future. Just like how I want to see if puppies are going to be in the Olympics in the future. Let's talk about, you know, Gen Z. My office just did um, what we call our CSI, which is our college student inventory, which we send out to students and they complete. And they have to talk about how their experience is going with virtual learning. Um, If you had to guess, how would you think that they are liking it, not liking it? How would you, how do you think they're probably responding right now? I'm actually going to guess they're liking it. Okay. Why do you think that? Um, I think the reason my, again, I have not seen the results of this. I would say the reason they are lacking it is actually one more, more hot take is not <laughs> going to treat them well long-term. And this is a hot take we can get into today. I agree. But Here my guess is convenience. Okay. Convenience yes. is, is amazing. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, even sometimes if I'm running late for work, like I can hop in a meeting if I'm going from one place to another on my phone and not miss anything. Um, But yes, so you are correct that they said they do like it, but they would rather be in person. So that was what we saw the most of. They they say they like it more than they thought they would, but they would rather be in person. But I agree with you that I'm worried about it's not going to serve them well. So, um, So what do you think, you know, is the future for higher education? Yeah, I think the classroom, I mean, we've got really four buckets right now, right? We've got online that is uh, not synchronous. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. That's going to continue forever, right? Mm-hmm. The um, It's not show- my favorite, everybody, but yes, it's there. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that gets touched. I think the future of that becomes tuition gets lower, 
right? Mm-hmm. Where we can scale that at much larger areas. So that tuition gets much lower in that spot. Um, and then you go look at on ground, right? What are those on ground classes looking like? We've got traditional on ground, we've got fully virtual. So it's still synchronous, but it's mm-hmm. only virtual. And then there's yep. this hybrid where half the class is on ground, half is online. I don't see that hybrid working. Yeah. I don't see it happening. Um, that just doesn't work well. I definitely see that all on ground and all virtual happening and per- perhaps even at the same time. So mm-hmm. Lachey may say, hey, that's just hybrid. But no, because that hybrid, you have to certain you know, students, and I would, I would heavily push the traditional 18-year-old who doesn't have a lot of work-life things pulling them away from the classroom. They need to be in that, in that classroom. Right. But could that great professor, right? How can we scale great educators? Mm-hmm. Could that same educator teach an online class at the same time that is virtually coming in? Right. right. But you're choosing as a student from the get go. Are you choosing to be virtual or on ground? That's right. interesting when you look at right from your polling of convenience and they say they wish they were on ground. They all have options to be on ground. Right. right. They all have that option. They're just saying ah, today. I don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's kind of like I don't know. I think about if I was a student again, I know like back in the back in the Stone Age. Um, but I, I think maybe if I was living through a pandemic right now and going to college, I think maybe it would be a little bit easier for me to get down with virtual, but I think everything kind of feels hard right now. Right. So like, just like, you can't like, you can't just like be like, okay, you guys, we're going to have, you know, Dustin's birthday's coming out. Actually, I don't know if it is or not, but small plug that <laughs> mine is hello. Um, but if I was like, okay, you guys, I want to have a birthday party. Like that doesn't look the same anymore. Like nothing looks the same. And so I feel like maybe once things are better, virtual might be more like more accepted because mm-hmm. I can still, if I wanted to, if I wanted to get like a person to person interaction, like I can do that at my club on campus, or I can do that at um, like, my, like whatever student organizations I'm a part of, or at the dining hall, as opposed to right now, like our dining hall, you can sit two people at a table, six feet apart. Like you can't sit like squeeze like 10 of your friends at a table and be like, oh my gosh, let's talk about what happened yesterday. So I think that that's also going to play a factor in it. My concern is, uh, we've talked about this a little bit before, is that like schools are like, well, I don't want to budge. And sometimes I think it's that they are open to budging, but I know there's schools that like didn't pay for a Zoom like membership, but they have like 50 minute classes still, but Zoom only goes for 40 minutes. So that professor is already losing out on 10 minutes, but is expected to teach that 50 minute mm. class still. Mm. So as a professor, what, what do you think needs to happen in order to see yourself be successful, like if you had to like do like some like, you know pie charts and takeaway percentages, what do you see is required for you to be successful if that is the steps that you have to take? Yeah, I think be successful. <clears throat> First, for online is completely different, right? So if you're going right. to teach online, you have to be supported. You have to go through specific training, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of students know this. 95% of your professors never took a teaching class ever. Like we don't oh, take yeah. teaching class. This isn't like, right. you know, you know, high school teachers and whatnot. We've never taken a teaching class ever. Right. Online is so different. And for so many faculty that have never done it before, you can't just throw them into it and say, Hey, you know, figure it out. There's, there's right. a learning curve there. I think that um, is 100% essential. And I think looking at the student too, I, which at the end of the day, the student is the most important, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the faculty members getting paid, you're going to either change or you're not, right? right. I mean, it's, it's work. <laughs> you got some <laughs> accountability there, right? Right. But for the student, I think we got to look at the student because it's, it's this weird balance mm-hmm. of 
what is going on in your world right now? I think we have to have have options in classes. Mm -hmm. If you are a single mother with two jobs, then yes, online that's not synchronous is the way to go, right? Mm -hmm. Do that. That is the way to go. If you are a you know, 20 year old who has already gotten a full-time job, you've already moved, or you have a family mm-hmm. member who's sick, then maybe synchronous online is the way to go for you, right? right. That's the best situation. Yeah. But Lachey, hot take. Hot take. Whoa. Hot take alert. I can't do that noise at all. <laughs> if you are an 18 year old, traditional 18 year old, Gen yep. Z they talk about, and there is not something in your life pulling you away, health Mm -hmm. complications, uh, family member complications, that's pulling away. If that's not the situation, if you're in a dorm room, if you live Mm -hmm. in a dorm room and you're choosing to go fully virtual, it's convenient. I hear you long-term ramifications here. That's what I'm afraid of, that this generation is going to see that three, four years from now, Mm -hmm. because a lot of things happen. Right. Some things, you know, recommendation letters. I don't know you very well. If you've never, mm-hmm. if you don't show up, you never turn on a camera, et cetera, et cetera. I, and you ask for a recommendation letter, which you probably will at someday. Yep. I don't know you, right? right. If, you, if you didn't, I can't do that. But here's the big one. And Lachey, I, I, this is my question for you. All right. When I graduated undergrad, mm-hmm. the people in my major that I graduated with, that was my cohort that we texted about opportunities. Hey, there's a thing here. Hey, yeah. my company's hiring. Hey, do you want, I can introduce you to so-and-so. Mm-hmm. There's that like try mentality of just your major specifically. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was like um, an opportunity, a professional opportunity for me. Did you see that right. same thing when you graduated? Yeah. And actually I'm still in a group. Um, so I have, I double majored. So one of my majors, we're still in like a group where we still send stuff and communicate um, with each other because you're exactly right. Like and I wonder if that is because you and I both went to the same undergrad, or I wonder if like all undergrads are like that, but I agree is that, I mean, here's the thing is like, some people are like, no, like I'm out here looking out for myself, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Not every job on like the planet, one is made for you, but also <laughs> you can't take every single job. So like, if I know like, Hey, this job would be a better fit for so-and-so, like, I'm going to send it to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I think that that's something great that I didn't even, re- I, I didn't even notice that you know, I was like, oh yeah, that's normal. Like we still have that, but it is like, you know, it is very special that we do have that with our cohort because I don't know that a lot of, I don't know if students still do things like that or not. I know there's a group me on campus, but I don't know that it's for opportunities for jobs. So, and and that tribe mentality, that's Mm -hmm. able to grow anywhere, right? You can do it uh, with it, whether it's online, Mm -hmm. virtual, it can happen anywhere. Right. Here's the truth. Like the, at the end of the day, when we talk about behind the scenes of higher ed, sure, what you're paying for is the certification, right? And the credentialing, mm-hmm. et cetera. We, we also just make it easy for you. At the end of the day, yes. anything that you learn in class, technically you could learn online, right? Okay. What you're paying for is the credentialing, the proof mm-hmm. that you know this stuff. Right. And we've made it easy for you because you don't know right. what questions to ask, right? right. So we, we package it well. Same with with networking. Sure, you could mm-hmm. connect with people, right, on the discussion right. boards and whatnot. But when you're in the classroom, it is force fed to you. Yes, You are going sure. to network with these people and these people will help you in your yeah. jobs. No, I think that's a great point. I think I, I had, I've had students who with recommendation letters, like you mentioned earlier, they're like, they're like, well, it's fine. Like, I don't need, like, I don't need to like need a recommendation letter. I'm like, no, no, but you will like at some point. And if you're never in the classroom, I'm like, they're not going to know who you are. Or like, also, if anybody's listening and who's never gotten a recommendation before, 
you need to ask the person, like if I was applying for a new job, I'd be like, Hey, Dustin, would you mind being my recommendation? You don't just like throw the person in um, and make sure you give them ample heads up. I mean, now sometimes, you know, it, it, it's a quick turnaround, but like, if you had the information for like a month, don't wait till like the 29th to ask, Hey, is this okay? When it's due on the 30th. So that is just a tip for anybody listening. If we have any, you know, Gen Z or even millennials maybe who haven't had to get recommendations for some reason, but no, I agree. I'm interested to see what, what, if it changes a timeline, like will, will college, like I know we're all about, like, we talked about the giver earlier and how college could be based in a different way. But I also wonder, like, so for us, we offer eight week online classes. I wonder if those virtual classes could be pushed into a, a more condensed format as well. Um, or I wonder if they'll stay the same because obviously eight week classes are a lot. Did you ever take any classes over your winter break? Yes. In my, my previous school that I taught it, they had what's called J term. It was, yes. uh, it was like super condensed during yes. January. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. And so I wonder if we see more schools do things like that. I mean, your winter break, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to get there. And then like, you're at home for like three days and you're like, oh my gosh, if my sister looks at me again, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to like lose it. So yeah, no, I wonder, I do have any other thoughts about, you know, what's happening, virtual, hybrid, Gen Z, disrupting, requiring us to do this. Any other major thoughts on that right now? Yeah, I think one, first of all, devil's advocate to my own point, there's certain <laughs> classes that you need to be, if able, right? So yep. life course, if able, certain classes where you probably need to be major classes. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, now this is maybe rub some feathers the wrong way. Certain- I mean, what, what would you say last, last week? What was it all about? Like you were like, what was it? I don't remember. It was like, you were like, oh, this is, this is a dirty word. And I read oh, yeah. like, I think, I think that you're literally just here to just like ruffle the feathers today. <laughs> yeah. I would say if you can go to all classes, right. The networking is important, but more important, those major classes, if there's some mm-hmm. gen eds and whatnot, sure. I can see those being filled with, you know, taking from a community college or from mm-hmm. virtual or whatnot, but especially those major classes, that's the people who can be working in your same field, definitely to network with them. But here's the, here's the thing, Shake. This is, this is prediction time. All right, prediction What time. does this all look like, right, after the case? We have to figure out how to scale the best educators. We know mm-hmm. that I've had some classes when I was in college that wasn't the best, right? It was great right. content, but I just, man, the, it just didn't connect. So how do we scale the best educators? We can only fit 30, if it's a, if it's a lecture hall, maybe 100 people into a room. But mm-hmm. if at one of those larger schools, how can we get that best person, the, the educator who teaches psychology the best? Mm-hmm. How can we get 1,000 people to learn from that one person? Do we and, take into account their rate my professor ratings? Because if you haven't looked lately, Dustin, you're pretty high up there. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like the uh, the self promotion there. Uh, hey, that opportunity. Yeah. Hey, I'm just saying. Do we do we take into account the internet's opinions to help find these best professors, and then from there scale the best classrooms? Because I don't also know that are like I think about some professors love like that smaller space where they can really like connect, but some people like. We know that you, you, you do keynotes, you do big presentations, you speak to large groups of people. Like, so are you going to, you'll be able to be more comfortable with the idea of here's my classroom of a hundred, but then I have, you know, 900 more students out in outer space that are like also being connected to my class. Mm-hmm. I don't know that all professors are going to be like, they might be like, 
that stresses me out. Yeah. So absolutely. I think we have to definitely find a, like, you know, I still hold on to the right, my professor, not because I think it's like super, super factual, but I think that, you know, there, there's some, there's some information we don't always think about out there from a student perspective. I want to hear your thoughts on this real quick. This is a, a maybe a, a quick two, the 0.5 conversation. Maybe we can 0.5. go deeper into this into a, a future episode. All right. I'm going to write it down. Those <laughs> rate my professor scores or every year, right. That you evaluate your right. professor. I fully 100% acknowledge that being a 6'2 white male, straight male, mm-hmm. my scores are higher than mm-hmm. others, especially mm-hmm. female faculty, especially yep. minority faculty, et cetera. The biasness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what, a great point. So if we talk about how do we find, quote unquote, the best educators, mm-hmm. we have to look at the, the system and also say it's yep. a biased system, right? That a challenge, Absolutely. I mean, what, I mean, maybe we go deep into that, but just like initial first take, maybe we'll go deeper next week or whatnot. No, I agree with that. I think like, I think that's such a great point. I even think about when I email students versus probably the way you email students. Like I remember one time I, I emailed you and you were like, wow, you use a lot of explanation points and you're like, you should save those. But it's because like, for me, when I think about emailing my students, like I, I'm like, okay, like make sure it comes across friendly, make sure they are, they don't think that I'm like mad at them. But like, is that something that you think about when you email your students or you just like, here's the information? Here's the information, which is a privilege. <laughs> I totally agree because right. we see that nationally where more stern um, women of power, women in the classroom, mm-hmm. et cetera, are seen as mean, right? right. But the male counterpart who says the exact same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Are CEO at like, or leadership, right. right? It's not. So we have to look at, you know, when we do scale these educators and leaders in the classroom, outside the classroom, um, how we do that, how we define those metrics for sure. Okay, well, here's what I'm going to say. I'm actually going to go back and say we can like erase, erase, my, rate my professor because I guess that's a good point. But I think we need like a super team that like their job is to just like travel the country or I guess it's 2021. So I guess you can like look up on Zoom or something and like see how someone teaches. But I think like having a really amazing team that puts together that like and is very intentional about like let's find – um, professors that are all races and all genders and um, different sexual orientations and things like that, because you're exactly right. One, we need to expose people to all kinds of people, but also give people the opportunity that maybe that maybe they wouldn't have unless like a superhero team, like kind of think of like the Avengers, but like for education. <laughs> I love this. I love so, this. <laughs> all right. Well, awesome. Well, we're going to go ahead for the sake of time today, and we're going to dive into the art of side hustles. And I really wish that I had one of those like angel sounds that was like, ah, that like was opening the gate for this conversation today. Um, but I had a student reach out to me last week. They already got, um, they're not graduating until May, but they already got a full-time job lined up. And the first thing they asked me after that was, okay, so what should my side hustle be? And I was like, I thought you, like, aren't you in a good, a good like you're in a good paying career field. Like, what do you mean? And like, well, like my, my family told me I need to get a side hustle too. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and get one. And I was like, okay. Um, so I have my thoughts on the art of side hustles. Dustin, being your friend, I know that you have had a lot of side hustles. <laughs> what would you say, or maybe what, what advice would you like to share regarding the art of side hustles? And then I'll share my advice. Well, first I want to give you most of the floor. Cause I'm excited to hear about this. <laughs> my quick take. I'm, yeah, I'm a big side hustle fan. Not only is it extra income, right. Which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for um, uh, even underserved communities to 
build generational wealth and, mm-hmm. and et cetera. I think it's all around. Also, even if it's not the the money scenario, it's it's like an, a sense of ownership. You like mm-hmm. own something, right? Yeah. That you have your, I'm a big fan of, you know, the salary position and then you get to own something a little yeah. on the side. There's a lot of opportunities out there. I think for educators uh, that are working at college universities, you are set up well for this, right? right. There are a lot of, whether keynoting or writing or- right you know, counseling and et cetera. There's a lot of online opportunities that you mm-hmm. can definitely build that, that, um, that side hustle very, very easy. Maybe we, uh, we even jump into a, a clubhouse someday, Lachey, you and I, we oh, invite yeah. people and we talk about the side hustles, but what I do you would think? Love that. What do you um, think? That's the. So when I graduated, I, my degrees are in corporate communications and dance. And so when I graduated, I was choreographing for studios and dance teams. I would do like 15 dances a year, but I would do them in like three months. And so it would just be a lot, but I was like, this is awesome. I will say I was not saving my money at all. I was like, okay, so I made this money. I'm going to go out to LA to see my best friend. And we're going to go to Disneyland on the flip side of that. I don't regret that. I wish I would have saved like, let's say I made a thousand dollars on the job. Like I wish I would have been like, okay, 200 of it can at least go to savings if we're going to fly. But I don't regret being able to take those trips and things like that. Again, I do recognize that like that was a privilege of mine that I could just be like, oh, I made this extra money and I can go fly to LA to see a friend. Um, but that side hustle made sense for me. My degree was in it. I was working a summer job where I was teaching dance. All that made sense. Fast forward, I then took on a side hustle of doing social media for an insurance agency. I loved the, the owner of the agency, loved his vibe, loved his vision, but also like I hadn't gone through my grad school program yet. So I was just like, I like Instagram. I can make your Instagram. I didn't know what, I didn't know anything to be honest. I thought I did. Um, but now that I'm in the program, I'm like, Oh wow. Like there's a lot more to this, but I spent a lot of time trying to be like, what's fun content for life insurance. Right? Like, I don't know. (laughs) So I would make like, like I made like a bingo board for like things to pack in the winter for your car bingo board. Like that was like the only thing I was ever like super proud of or like helping them tell their story on social media but it never seemed to fit. And so we ended up being like, Hey, like, I love you. You love me, but this isn't for us. But now I do social media for a wedding and event space and all this stuff. I get to be the creative director there. And that makes sense to me. Um, because like I, I can get lost in it for hours on the weekend, just like working away. If you are in a side hustle that you're like, this makes me miserable. Don't do it. Right. Like, so, you know, my fiance, yep, I'm saying that now, everybody, because your girl just got engaged, but <laughs> my fiance, um, he is more introverted than me and he like it drives for Grubhub. He loves it. He's like, I don't have to talk to people. I can just like go pick up their food, drop it off. Like that's a side hustle he likes. I'm like, well, I want to tell him like, how was your food? Like, did you have a good day? He's like, this isn't the job for you then. So when you're looking at your side hustle, you already spend so much time, you know, at your regular job. And maybe sometimes your job can be challenging. Maybe sometimes you love your job. But for me, I'm all about like making a life that you love living. There's going to be times at your regular job that you don't love what's happening. There's going to be times your side, side hustle, you don't love what's happening, but you should love more of it than you, than you dislike. Like you should, sorry, you should love more and you should dislike very little, not dislike a lot and only love a little. Mm-hmm. So that was a, a long thought process, but I think it's important that people, people are like, oh, I'll just do this job just because it's like extra money. Right. But if you don't want to be a teacher, you probably shouldn't jump on VIP kids and teach. And if you're not a morning person either, VIP kids, you teach kids like in China, I believe, English at like 4 a.m. That sounds awful for me. I'm not a morning person. But if you're somebody who's like, yeah, like I have a coworker who's up every day at five o'clock to read the paper, 
he probably would be a great fit for that. That's not me. So finding a hustle you love. And for me, like I'm in grad school right now. So I'm also getting to live what I'm going to school for. So I also am like, hey, look at these skills I'm gaining. You guys can't see, but I'm flipping my hair. <laughs> so that was a long thought, but that's how I feel about the art of side hustles. I love it. I love it. And hey, I, I want to um, a deep cut. I'm about to say here for you, Lachey. Oh, gosh. The, Ouch. The, the Super Bowl champs, Buccaneers. <sighs> oh, I know. Lachey. Lachey, the Chiefs <laughs> fan. Uh, the, the philosopher of Gron- uh, Rob Gronkowski once said <laughs> that he doesn't spend any of his uh, game checks. He only anything splurging he, he spends money on is his endorsements, his, his side hustles, right? right. His main job is football. And then he does is he doesn't spend any of that money, right? Mm-hmm. All of that goes toward, you know, savings and mature things. But mm-hmm. then when he does Wheaties or whatnot, he spends right. that on travel. I right. love what you're saying there as far as your side hustle. You shouldn't. You're, if you're making, if you have a career and you're making your, your salary, and then you have a side hustle where you're doing social media or Mm -hmm. reads or whatever the case may be, use that money to go to Disneyland, right? Use that money for the fun thing. So you're still saving, you're investing, Mm -hmm. you're doing this smart thing, but it's easy to compartmentalize, right? With that side hustle money. Well, and for me, like I had to make like a separate account for the money to go to, because if not, I was like, oh, it's all in my checking account. La, 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 la. Like, so no, I had to make a separate account for it to go into like a separate savings. Cause I was like, this is where this lives. Right. And so that's just what I had to do for my brain. But yeah, the art of side hustles, hot take from Lachey Mathis and Dr. Dustin York. So, <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are just as salty as I am about the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. But anyways, I hope everyone has a great Monday. Thank you for joining us on Disrupt You. We can't wait to see you. And well, we can't see you, but we can't wait to see you listen next week and we can all laugh. And also tell me your thoughts on the puppies at the Olympics. We'll talk to you guys later. And congrats to Lachey for getting engaged. What? Hey, put a rig on it.